Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. him tell of his excellent greatness and that's what we're here to do is to praise him through song and through his word and that's what we're going to do now is we're going to be in john chapter 8 and we're going to be in verses 31 to 38 today as we've got to this section we've seen all the miracles of jesus remember the purpose of this book is that you might believe these signs and believing you might have life in His name is what John says. He says many other signs He did, but He only wrote about seven miracles, seven signs that you might believe. And remember, all these folks, they don't want to believe. They like the signs, but they don't like the uh, fact that Jesus says He's God. They see the signs and they... They want the food, they want the healings, they want all that, but they don't want to believe that Jesus is God. They believe He's just a carpenter's son, that He wasn't uh, a miracle miracle man who was God in human flesh. And as we got to chapter 8, remember He tells them He's the light of the world after He forgives the woman who's caught in adultery. And then He begins to tell them, Again, who he is, and they don't believe him. They say, well, who are you? After he's told them and told them and told them, and he says, just who I said I was. I'm not going to tell you again. I've told you enough. And so as we get to this section of Scripture today, we're going to start in verse 31. Or actually, I want to back up to verse 30. It says in John chapter 8, verse 30, As he spoke these words, many believed in Him. And then it says, And Jesus said to those Jews who believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered Him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. So as we start this section today, Jesus is talking about being lifted up on the cross and and then He says as He spoke these words, many believed on Him or in Him. And so as they believe in Him, that apparently it's not really a true belief. You know, many people believe in Jesus, right? They believe that He existed or He was a good man or He was this or He was that. But many people believing that Jesus existed and all, they don't believe He is who the Bible says He is. And it's amazing to me, the Bible is very clear, but people don't want to believe it. 
And just as this Bible is clear, Jesus was very clear, and yet these people still don't really truly believe. They believe in a sense. If we went back to John chapter 2, verse 23, and he said, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name. When they saw the signs he did, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and he had no need that anyone should testify man, for he knew what was in man. In other words, Jesus knew that their commitment was not real. And I think we've talked about that because it says in the next verse, Jesus said to them in verse 31, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, or believed him, not believed in him, but believed him. And he says, they, they believe what he said. But he says, if you abide in my words, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In other words, what Jesus says is if you're really real, here's some conditions that are going to happen. Now, I don't know if y'all remember the parable of the souls and the seeds, and the, you know where it talks about the seed falling on the stony ground and on the, the thorns, and all these things happen. But if you remember... When John talks about these thorns, what he ends up saying, he says the first one, when Jesus talks about it, he says that the first one that was truly not a believer. They never believed because Satan came and snatched the word away. And so the second one, they believed for a little while and they believed, but yet when the cares and the riches of this world came along, they, they were worried more about the things of this world and the money of this world. And because of that, they walked off. They believed for a little while. And then there was a third group that they believed for a little while. And then it says because of persecution for the word, they walked off. But then he says there was a fourth group. And this group bore fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And if you remember what John says in John chapter 15, he says, I am divine and ye are the branches, and without me you can do nothing. But if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will do what? Bear much fruit, right? But the, but the problem with these three souls and these three seeds is the fact that only one of those four bears fruit. And Jesus always said, by their fruit, you shall know them, right? And if there's no fruit, there's no root. Jesus said, I am the vine and you're the branches. If I go out in my garden or I go out to some tree or you have a tree in your backyard, say a pear tree or apple tree or something like that, if you cut that branch off, what's going to happen? Even though it may have an apple or an orange or something on there, it's not going to ripen and it's not going to finish growing, right? Well, that's what Jesus said. I am the vine and you are the branches. And without me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. So Jesus is the vine. We are the branches, but if we're cut off, and he says those that don't bear fruit, he's talking about those people who are not saved. He cuts them off and he throws them in the fire. That's John 15. Those are the people who are cast into hell because they don't bear any fruit. And so 
what that that is the parable and I know some people have told it differently but there's disagreement but I really truly believe that that parable is not a parable of four different kinds of Christians or three different kinds of Christians and one that didn't believe but it's a parable of one Christian and the other three are non-believers because 1 John 2.19 says those that went out from us went out from us because they were not of us. But if they would have been of us, they would have no doubt remained with us. But they went out that it might be made evident that they were never of us. So sometimes we see people in the church and they look like they're doing a lot of stuff and they look like they've truly trusted Christ. But one day when they walk off and they start living this lifestyle that's totally opposite of what they used to live in the church. And if they keep on living that way and keep on living that way and God doesn't take them out because, you know, God will judge you. If you're a believer, He will take you to the woodshed and wear you out. And and if that don't work, He'll make you sick. He'll make you weak. And then ultimately, 1 Corinthians 11 says He will take you home. He will kill you and take you to heaven early if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. But the Bible says that those that bear fruit are really the true believers. And so this is what Jesus is trying to do here in distinguishing this section of Scripture because it says they believed in Him and then it says they believed Him. They believed what He said. They believed some of these things. But Jesus says, look, listen what He says. If you abide in My Word, if you remain, that's what that word abide means. If you remain in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So he says, if you keep on living for me and following my word, you know, we just, we sang several songs this morning and one of them was uh, standing on the promises, right? And if we're truly saved, guess what we're going to be doing? This is his word. We're going to be standing on the promises no matter what trouble comes, no matter what trials come, no matter what hardship comes, we're going to be standing on those promises because God wrote this book for us that we might have hope, that we might have joy, that we might have peace, that we might have abundant life through any circumstance. God wants us to have that kind of life. And, and yes, this is a tough world, but He says, if you remain in My words, you continue in my word, you continue to do the things that are written in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. So those that continue are really truly disciples. And that's what the Bible says. It's called what the theologians like to call the perseverance of the saints. And all that means is if you're really truly saved, you're going to keep on following God all your life. Yeah, you might slip, you might mess up, you might goof up for a while. But if you do, God will take you to the woodshed because He says in that He loves, He disciplines. He won't never let you fall away from Him. He says, if you continue in My Word, you are My disciples indeed. And then He says the second thing is, if you continue in it, you are His disciples. The second thing He says is then you shall know the truth. If you continue reading His Word and studying His Word, 
Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 17 in His high priestly prayer as He was praying, Father, now glorify Me now as I have glorified Thee on earth. Now give Me back the glory which I had from the beginning of the world. And He says, Sanctify them by Your truth. That word sanctify means to cleanse, to make holy, to make pure. And He says, Sanctify them by their truth. Thy word is truth. And so Jesus says that you will know the truth. What is the truth? This is God's truth, right? So many things that the world's saying out there today are, are crazy, aren't they? I mean, the things that the world's following, the things that the world's doing, the things that they're saying you need to do to get to heaven or this or that or the other, to have a joyful life, that they make absolutely no sense. But Jesus said, you shall know the truth. Not only would you know Him who is the way, the truth, and the life, but you will know the real truth because there is only one truth and it's contained in this Bible. 1 Peter, or 2 Peter, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says you have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. You have everything in this Bible and everything through the power of the Holy Spirit to give you life and to give you godliness. Everything you need to live life. He, Second Timothy, Paul told him in chapter 3, verse 16, he said, the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for what you believe, that's truth. For correction, that, that, that means to correct you, get you, get you straightened out, to rebuke you, to tell you you're doing wrong. And instruct you in righteousness. One man put it this way. To show you the path. To tell you you got off the path. To tell you you need to get back on the path. And to tell you how to stay on the path. Sort of like, you know, the old movie, Follow the Yellow Brick Road. That's what God says is, here's the road. You've gotten off the road. You need to get back on the road. And here's how you stay on the road. That, that's what God's Word does. Is it keeps us on the right path. It keeps us walking in the ways that God wants us to do. And there's many, many places that talk about walking in the paths of righteousness and walking in His commandments and obeying His Word and doing these things. And I've just finished reading the book of Deuteronomy, which is the second law in my quiet time. And in that book, he, he keeps going over and over and over again about all the laws. If you walk in my commandments, if you obey my commands, if you follow me and do all these things, then God will have a blessing on your life. He's telling He says, first, if you continue in my word, you're my disciple. Secondly, you will know the truth. And then He says, the truth will make you free. Now that's totally opposite of what the world says, isn't it? Man, I'm free. You know, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. I can go get high. I can do this. I can live for myself. I can do whatever I want to do. And they call that freedom. But that's not freedom. Freedom, true freedom, is following God and doing God's will. Because Jesus said, you will know the truth and that truth will set you free. You will be free. You know, what kind of freedom he's talking about is to be all you want to be. To be, you know, the the army says, we want a few good men and women. And he says, be all you can be. 
He says basically that freedom is to be the person that God made you to be, right? That's what God is setting us free to be, is to be the person that we can be. I mean, you remember old Gideon, remember? He was hiding in the threshing floor and he was throwing the grain up and threshing it. And he was supposed to be on the top of the hill throwing it up where the wind would blow away the chaff. And he was afraid of the Midianites because they would every time the Israelites would get their grain and get their stuff, their food ready, you know what would happen? The Midianites were a whole lot stronger than they were and they would come in, they would steal all their food that they had worked for all summer and harvested and they would take all their food and then guess what? They were out of food again, right? Well, so Gideon's hiding up there and he's threshing that stuff and, and he's hiding and, and God comes to him and says, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. And you know what he did? He ended up making Gideon a mighty man of valor, right? And that's what God wants to do in our life is he wants, to, wants us to be like the army says, be all you can be. Well, yeah, you can be a lot physically and all this stuff as, as the army trains you and, and hones your skills. But you talk about being all you can be. When you follow God, you'll be the ultimate what God wants in your life. Because when He shows you what He wants to do in your life and He frees you from those things that are going on in your life and He, he sets you free to do what you want to really do in life, God will give you a plan, a vision, a Something to do if you follow him, and it's amazing what he will do in your life. What do these people do? They answered him, and they say, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. So, I don't know, maybe some really truly did believe, but it sounds like to me that Jesus is saying, Look, if you really have truly believed, then this is what's going to happen in your life. But what do they do? Instead of saying, okay, that's what we need to do, what do they do? And maybe this was just a few speaking up. But it says they answered him. So it sounds like the same group that supposedly believed in him. We are Abraham's descendants. See, remember the Jews thought just because they were Abraham's descendants that they were going to go to heaven. Like a lot of people today believe just because they were born in a church or go to church or you know do certain things that they're going to go to heaven. But Jesus said, only way you're going to make it is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Being in a garage does not make you a car. Being in a Burger King does not make you a burger. Right? And, and, but these people think just because they're Abraham's offspring... That they're his offspring. They say we've never been in bondage to anybody. Well you know that's kind of totally crazy. Because guess what? They've been in bondage all their life. Because every time they sin. In the Old Testament. What happens? God enslaves them to some other group of people. Right? The Syrians. The Babylonians. The Medes. The Persians. The Egyptians. 400 years to Egypt. Right now. In this section of scripture we're in they're enslaved by the Romans they can't do what they want to do they have to abide by the Roman laws they're under their authority they are not free 
But maybe what they're saying here is that we're free spiritually. We've, we've always been able to worship God because the way we wanted to. That's probably what they're saying here. They say, how can you say we will be made free? And Jesus brings it down a little closer to where he's getting. And he says, Jesus answered them, verse 34, Most assuredly, here's where that, that most assuredly, remember that means truly, truly, or verily, verily, or listen up, folks, this is very important. He says, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. We don't realize, what, what do we call those things where we keep doing something over and over and over again? We call them what? Bad habits, don't we? You know what the Bible calls them? Sin. That's what the Bible says, it's sin. Oh, I got a bad habit of complaining, I got a bad habit of griping, I got a bad habit of talking about people, I got a bad habit of whatever it is. You know, I don't know. But all of us have areas we struggle in, right? Areas that we fight with and struggle with and deal with. And if you don't think you have one, then then you haven't really looked inside. Because all of us have an area where we have a weakness, a thing that we struggle with. Bitterness or anger or envy or something, you know. It, it, like I said, it could be just about anything. Jesus says, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. You know, you start out, there's an old saying, and I think we talked about this in Philippians, it says, sow a thought, you reap an action. See, it starts here, you, you, you do something because you think about it, and then you sow an action, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap a character. You become that person, right? If you keep doing it long enough, what do they call these people out there in the world that keep getting high or whatever they call them, druggies and potheads and meth heads or convicts or whatever you call it. But you know what? They could call us bitter old folks or they could call us complainers or gripers or angry or something. You know what I mean? But whatever it is, we can be enslaved by that because we start out doing it and then next thing you know, we've got a bad habit of doing it. But the Bible calls it sin. And so we get enslaved by that habit. And then next thing you know, we find out that we've got a pattern of doing that, doing it, doing it. And we can't seem to quit. But Jesus says, you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. But the Bible tells us in James that when you're looking in the mirror of God's Word, He will show you the areas where things are not right. And then we can straighten them out because of the power of the Word of God. I've been teaching on temptation to some folks for a while, but you know, all of us are tempted. All of us have areas of weakness and temptation. And I tell them, you know, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's goods. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10.13, There is no temptation such as common to man, but with the temptation God will give you the way out. We don't have to sin if we don't want to. Now I'm not saying we're not going to do it perfectly. But the problem is, is most of the time we don't make the effort. Daniel purposed in his heart that he wasn't going to do wrong. And you know what? God 
says in the next verse, God gave him favor with the chief eunuch. If he did because he didn't want to do what was wrong, God gave him the power to overcome it. And we're going to sing the song at the end of the end of the time here today called There's Power in the Blood. There's power in the blood because see when you trusted Christ, if you've trusted Christ, God gave you the ability to overcome sin and temptation and all the things that have come in this world. That's why He said He's given you everything that you need to live a life of godliness. Everything. God didn't leave us, save us, and then leave us with no power. He says in Ephesians 3.20, He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according, not out of His power, but according to His power. How much power does God have? All power, right? According to His power that works in us mightily. So we have His power available to us. That's awesome, isn't it? And what kind of power we got? Resurrection power. We just talked about that a few weeks ago. But that power is available if we will just draw on it to break these bad habits, to break these sin areas in our life and say, God, I'm sick and tired of doing this all the time and and being complaining and griping and being bitter and angry and, and whatever it is, even to worry is a sin. Did you know that? He says, be anxious for nothing. I know we do it. I do it. I don't know what it is. About 6 o'clock in the morning some mornings, I, I wake up and I start thinking of all the things that could go wrong or I need to do or something. And it's like my worry time. I don't know. I get it out of the way, I guess. But, you know, I shouldn't be doing that, but I do some mornings. You know, it's not every morning, but some mornings I wake up and that's what happens. And all of us worry. But the Bible says be anxious for nothing. And I'm sitting there thinking this more. What do I do this every why do I do this? Why do I wake up and start thinking about things? And, and it's like, okay, let's shut the brain off and go back to sleep and, and concentrate on the Lord instead of what might happen. See, he says, a slave does not abide in the house forever. What he's doing is he's talking about, but he says, but a son abides forever. In other words, what he says here in verse 35 is that in the old days, what, what were they doing? Remember in this time, there's, I don't know, I've heard estimates of 20 to 60 million slaves. Because the Romans, what they did was they enslaved everybody. They didn't lock them up in prison and then have to work to support the, the, the prison population. They took those people and they put them to work. And they, they had doctor slaves and lawyer slaves and everybody and the brother slaves. Sometimes people even sold themselves into slavery because they couldn't, they didn't have a job. You know, so like today's economy, if people didn't have a job, they'd go to Mr. So-and-so, but here's got a bunch of money or got a lot of land or something, and say, look, if you'll take care of me and my family, I'll do whatever you need me to do for them. Maybe that would be something we need to do today, you know. Not necessarily sell ourselves into slavery, but go ask some of these people, say, look, I'll work for you. I'll take care of your property. I'll do whatever. But at the end of six years, the seventh year, the slave would be set free because they could only be enslaved six years. But at the end of that six years, on the seventh year, they were supposed to be set free. Who could set them free? 
the master of the house or the son who was the head of the house. And he says, but the son, the person who lives in that house, who's part of the family, they can't get kicked out of the house because they're part of the family, right? But the slave, man, when his time's up, he's got to leave the house. But he says, therefore, if the son, not little s son, but the big s son, God, Jesus, makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So he says, if the son who is the son of the man who owns the plantation can set the slave free. Guess what? You don't think the S-O-N, the Jesus, the, the Son of God can set you free from anything that you're dealing with, anything you're struggling with? He says you shall be free indeed. And then he says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants. But you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Yes, they are spirit, they are physically Abraham's descendants. But Romans chapter 2 says that the true Jews are those whose circumcision is of the spirit and not of the flesh. It is, he says in Romans 9, that not all Jews are true Jews. Now let me explain that a little bit. What that means is remember back in, in Genesis chapter 16 when when God gave uh, Abraham the, the promise and he says, through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Actually 15. And he says, through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And what he was talking about, he says, through your seed. And when you go to Galatians chapter 4, he talks about that seed being Jesus Christ. And that Jesus Christ, through all Him, all the families of the earth will be blessed because they can be saved and forgiven and go to heaven. And that is the blessing he's talking about to Abraham. But he says, only those that, that trust in Jesus Christ are the real descendants of Abraham. Yes, they might be physical descendants. I told somebody the other day, I told this young man, I said, did you know I said, if you've trusted Christ, did you know that you're a Jew? I said that one day to him and he looked at me and he went, Huh? I ain't no Jew. I said, You know what? I'm a Jew. I'm a Jew spiritually if I've been saved. Because God says that I'm a true child of Abraham because I've trusted in Jesus Christ. Now physically, I'm a white male, whatever I am, Scott Irish, whatever I am. Spiritually, I am a true child of Abraham because I have been forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says, I know y'all are physical descendants of Abraham, but you seek to kill me because guess what? My word has no place in you. What did he say earlier? If you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. What does he say to these Pharisees? You don't, you're not, you don't have my word in you. And then he says, I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. And he gets down to the nitty gritty. He says, my father is God. And he basically is fixing to say, your father is the devil. And we're going to stop right there today. But see, the Bible tells us that we're either children of God 
or we're children of the devil. I, I know everybody thinks that because, I, I don't know, you talk to people and they say, well, I'm going to heaven. You are. Why are you going to heaven? Well, I don't know. I'm a good person. Or I try to keep the Ten Commandments. Or I've been baptized. Or I this. Or I that. But the Bible says, whoever believes on Him shall be saved. And those that obey, those that believe on Him are going to do what? They're going to get in His Word. And His Word is going to start to set them free in those areas of their life and give them joy and peace and abundant life. But these folks, they hadn't been set free. They're the legalists. I heard somebody preaching this morning. You know what they had? God gave one commandment. Thou shalt keep the Sabbath holy. And you know what the Pharisees did? They came up with 1,521 rules of things that you couldn't do on the Sabbath. That's a lot, isn't it? But God said, Thou shalt keep the Sabbath holy. But they made up all these things that they said you couldn't do trying to please God. But that's not what God said. And that's what we do. We make up our own rules. We make up our own regulations. But God says you can sum up the whole commandments. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love the Lord thy God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's the summary of the commandments. So, today... Jesus, I hope has set all of you free. That you've all asked God to forgive you, asked God to save you, asked Him to come in your life and forgive you and start working on you and me and, and cleansing those areas where we need to be fixed. Because the Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? That's what Jesus said. He said we're all sinners. We're all come short of the glory of God. That's the bad news. But the good news is that God, if we've trusted Him, has forgiven us and saved us. And we are children of God and heirs with God. And one day everything that belongs to Him is going to belong to us. It belongs to us now. But we don't get it all right now. We just get a taste of it. So, trust in Him today if you haven't. And if you have, then just... Call on Him and say, Lord Jesus, these areas in my life that I struggle with, set me free because You said that You can. Father, we love You. We thank You. We praise You for who You are. We ask today that You would come and help us to be free in all areas of our life, free to be the person that You want us to be. You said that the law, that we are no longer under law, not that we don't keep the law, but we're under grace because... We don't have to keep the law anymore, but we get to keep the law because we want to. Not because we have to, because we love you. And we've been set free to do the things that you called us to do and to be all we can be. As in Gideon, you said he was a mighty man of valor and you made him one, Lord. Come and make us the persons, the people that you want us to be. Father, we love you. Help us to continue to follow in your word because you said... Those that believe on you will overcome. Those that believe in you will persevere. And it's not in us, but it's in you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing number 14. There's power in the blood. He says, would you be free from the burden of sin?
Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.